Welcome to the Weatherman Podcast. This is your host, Chad Stecker, and I am the Weathered Man. This is the podcast where a humbled man pleads to a broken world to listen to his eccentric thoughts concerning life, family, and the church today. Oh my goodness. If you enjoyed part one with the elders, you're going to absolutely enjoy part two. Part two, I'm going to give you some fair warning, is a little bit longer than usual, but I couldn't separate it and make it a two and a three part, and I didn't want to give up anything that we talked about. So it's a little bit longer than the 30-minute goal that I usually have, and quite frankly, as I've been doing interviews, I haven't hit the 30-minute mark yet, so whatever. Let's have some fun, right? And if you enjoyed their personal testimony and what they've been through, you're going to really enjoy their attitude and perspective concerning missions and their ministry within Africa. And listen and listen with intent. I really ask you to not just be present in the moment, but be focused within this moment, to be involved in this conversation, even if you weren't there when it happened, because you're going to learn a lot on the attitude of gratitude in this. You're going to learn a lot concerning the attitude one must have within ministry in a life of serving Jesus. And you're going to also see what a healthy marriage can do in a world that is struggling. And so I don't want to even take any more of your time. Get ready for an amazing, awesome part two within my conversation with Chad and Jamie Elder. God bless. A lot of people have tuned in and clicked play because there's a thrill about ministry and missions work in Africa. Sometimes I think we've glorified Africa missions or, or missions in general, and we don't realize that it's, it's really a dirty ministry. <laughs> and I mean dirty <laughs> not because of the people or because there's something wrong with it. But it's literally not a place for people that have their head in the clouds. You have to have your hands in the dirt. People that want to go do missions in Africa, it's not the perfect scene. It's not the ideal situation. It is not what Hollywood would write about necessarily, but it's absolutely necessary. And so I think there's some false perceptions on what missions in Africa is really like. So I would love for you guys to just, I want to open this up right now to kind of you guys talk about whatever you want concerning Africa. And then I've got some questions that I just want to break down and, and just ask you on behalf of my listeners. I just want to open up the floor once again and just say, go, you know, you know, green light, say whatever you want. Tell us about Africa. Tell us about what God has you doing there. Tell us about if you can tell us where in certain circumstances, I know there's some places you can't talk about some places you can tell, tell my listeners and the followers of this podcast, what it's like to be used in a place like Africa where we we think of Lion King right off the bat. <laughs> you have to. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Great. Oh man, I love so much that God chose to call me to Africa. Not because I get to hang out with really cool people, which I do, and I get to learn a language that's extremely difficult to me and easy to others. Like not for all of those fun reasons but that he chose to send me because he saw something in me that needed to be changed. Mm. And I feel like a lot of people think that people that are called to missions have it all figured out. And the reality is for myself anyways, is I'm so messed up. God had to send me to Africa to work out my garbage. 
because oh, wow. it will stretch you in ways that you never, ever, ever imagined possible. Mm-hmm. We tell people whenever they come, I mean, first day right out of the gate, we're like, look, we all have issues wow. and your issues, the stuff that you thought you had resolved, that's very deep down in you, stuff that you haven't even touched yet is going to surface and it's going to surface in front of people probably at the worst time possible. But if you choose to embrace your, your brokenness and the parts of you that are messed up, embrace it in community, embrace it in the word of God, surround yourself with people that will speak truth and love to you and choose healing. You will grow and you will stay in Africa. But if you choose to hide those things, you'll never make it. You've got to embrace your own brokenness before you can go embrace the brokenness of others. Wow. Wow. It has drastically changed everything about me. It's challenged me on a personal level of growth that I ne- I don't think I would have ever experienced stateside. It's pushed me beyond what I ever dreamed possible, not only in ministry, but just in my personal walk with Christ as well. I'm so thankful God chose to call me to Africa mm. and allow my messiness, my brokenness, the ugliness in me to be revealed so he could deal with it. Mm. And from those places, as I've embraced it, we've been able to see people come to Christ and be discipled. Um, people on our team that are broken that say, man, you're messed up too. Okay. Let's get this right together. This um, beautiful story of redemption all the way throughout, not just for lost people, but for us as believers as well. Wow. That's why we kind of rail against when people call us heroes. You know, we go places and we're elevated, put on a pedestal, and we appreciate the sentiment and we understand the the attempt to honor missionaries. And I think that's great. And we should honor ministers and pastors. But in to some degree, that kind of sets us up for failure because we're elevating ministers or missionaries to a point of saying these people are special to it to a degree which others will not attain. And we're setting a standard or a level. We're painting a picture, a mindset, reinforcing an idea that people adapt and say, saying, I could never be that. And when God calls them into ministry and when God calls them into missions, they don't believe it. We're trying to strip away those ideas and saying, look, <laughs> we're just normal people. We're, uh, we're just as jacked up as you guys are. <laughs> we're just as messed up as you are. If you think your family's weird, come and meet our family. <laughs> you know, if you think uh, you have struggle and temptation and weird thoughts in your head, come hear my thoughts in my head. <laughs> If you, if you think that your calling is invalid, come read the Bible and look what, you know, look who God used. Look what, who God used in the Old Testament. And uh, there's so many things that I think that we've done over the years in the church body that have kind of maybe worked against us when we talk about calling. And, and that's caused people to say, well, man, you're a missionary. You, you guys are heroes. You guys are, man, you're. You guys are out there, you know, changing the world. I could never do that. And there's so many people, a lot of actually older ladies that have approached us after a church service and have said, yeah, God called me to be a missionary. 
He called me when I was 18. He called me when I was 25 and, and I never went and, and I missed my opportunity. And, and we're still saying, well, you could still go. Mm. <laughs> the calling is still there. Uh, you could still go do something. And there's still people that um, are saying, well, no, I could never do that. I, I could never make a difference. I still couldn't be like you. And uh, there's uh, so much to that. But, man, uh, we have to approach that differently, I feel like. Yeah. You guys continue to accomplish the impossible. I'm speechless. I'm, I'm trying to look at my notebook right now. I was just enjoying hearing you guys speak about this. A lot of people might not understand, but the circles that we come from, the three of us, with the charismatic evangelical world, people are afraid to talk about brokenness. They're afraid to talk about the darkness in our hearts. They just want to talk about the light that covers it up and, and, and surrenders it, which is 100% valid. Totally. Excuse me. <laughs> this is good stuff. Um, let's 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 move forward a little bit and kind of break the ice on what perception is and what it isn't, as far as the day to day tasks, the day to day schedule for the week. So, in a sense, what what does your typical week look like when in Africa? Yeah, it, it really varies a lot. Um, there's so many, so many factors and life moves at a much slower pace there than what we're used to in the U.S. for sure. Our last term on the field, we were able to lead a team of missionaries there. So our main role was, was primarily being a pastor to our other missionaries, helping lead them and guide them and disciple them further, as well as lead the church planning initiative, how we were going to church plant in a Muslim context. And so we led that aspect as well as our platform for ministry. So where we were at, we had a school to help us build relationships with local people to reach out. So a lot of our time spent um, during the week was based around our team. So we would have team meetings where we would pastor our team there, lead them um, through a devotional worship together, prayer together. What, what were things that personally we were struggling through also as a team ministry-wise? How are we how are we handling culture and um, handling ministry? How are we balancing life? Are we doing well or, or not? Also opportunity for team members to share wins for the week. You know, who have we reached out to this week? Who's, who are individuals that we are targeting um, with the gospel? How is that going? What's the next step? So looking at strategy with individuals in terms of church planning, that was a huge aspect of our week. At the school, we would teach some and help with the administration side of things, making sure that team members had what they needed, that we had the visas that were necessary to live and to work there, that the ministry could continue. And then one-on-one -on -one discipleship with um, different locals at different times. Chad and I had an opportunity this last term to get to serve on our elder board at our, our church there, our local church, um, which was incredible to get to see a whole different side of ministry in Africa. We had primarily in the past just been focused in on church planting um, with the unreached, where this is a time we got to, to do that still, but at the same time, look at national church ministry and what that looked like. Um, so that was a tremendous time of just 
engaging other believers, local African believers, understanding their methodology for ministry and things like that. So that was kind of a typical week for us, mainly team related platform and church life. It's a lot of stuff, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, it's not just standing on stage evangelizing the gospel. You're literally carrying forth the gospel in tangible ways for them to see. Typically, how do you minister the gospel? So are you able to kind of open up to somebody and ask them about Jesus or or tell them about Jesus or ask them if they know Jesus? Or do you have to wait for them to kind of come to you through personal revelation on themselves? Or do you have other people in Africa that are able to kind of do some of the groundwork for you? How does that typically go to present the gospel? Well, um, on the continent, it really depends where you are. So you have to contextualize. But at our location in East Africa, it was 99% Islamic. And so we had to be careful about our approach, but we were able to approach people about our faith. We were not breaking any laws where we were to talk about faith. Uh, We could develop those relationships We did have strict standards about that at our school and policies in place uh, to approach that with incredible wisdom. Outside of the school and in our homes, it was free reign. And so we could have them over for coffee, have them over for a meal. We could go to their house. Uh, We could go to a restaurant. We could meet them uh, somewhere um, on the beach, talk to them. You know, as long as we're following wise guidelines culturally and, you know, biblically, that we're following those kind of things and using wisdom that, you know, it was fair game. And so we we took advantage of those things as best as we could. But as you can imagine, these unreached people have been entrenched in Islam, which for centuries they've been entrenched in lies and deception. And so if you can imagine our school, which is on a main road in the, in the city, was taking off in five years. We had 8,000 students come through our school. Wow. Uh, on a Friday, which is their holy day, our, school, our students would leave our, our center, go across to one of the big mosques for prayer, and they would preach against Christianity, and they would preach against America. And our our administrator would translate for us and they would say, all Americans are for abortion. All Americans are for homosexuality. All Americans are the enemy. And then our students would come back across the street and ask us those questions. And we would uh, befriend them and tell them the truth. And then the cycle would continue, but seeds, so many seeds were planted during that time, seeds of truth in their hearts. And so we were able to uh, be there and share truth. And it was a difficult, difficult time uh, of spiritual warfare, but just an incredible, incredible opportunity uh, to be there in that place And that team is still there doing the work, uh, even though we've accepted a new assignment and uh, we'll be going to Malawi. God has been so, so good for the opportunities that he's given. 
Absolutely. I think we've used this term a few times. It's funny, even though it's not funny, but it's funny to think about the way they propagate their agenda is the same way that it's kind of happening in America. No matter what side of the aisle you're on, we have become so agenda-based. So we see Jesus through our agenda, political view set or viewpoint. And so how you see the LGBTQ movement or lifestyle or situation, however you want to put it, and how you see abortion, how which are all very important issues scripturally. But what we do is we choose to look through, look at scripture through those lenses instead of look at those things through the lens of scripture. Yeah. And so instead of having a biblical worldview as Americans, we have a political view that shifts our worldview instead of having a biblical worldview that shifts how we see everything going on in life. That's right. And then when you look at the Muslim schools, they're doing the same thing. They are getting people to hate Christianity based off of agenda viewpoints and not anything else. It's really the same methods, just different motives. Tell me if I'm correct in my in hearing so I can clear this up, that when they came back with those questions and you told them the truth, you're not referring to for or against abortion or LGBTQ and dealing with the agenda. You are giving them the truth of Jesus Christ himself. Yeah, it would be like, we are believers in Christ. Therefore, the Bible tells us this. So this is what we believe. Mm. And so we're able to very clearly say for us, this is our stance on it. And this is why it's it's strictly through the lens of the Bible and right. what Jesus has said. And so from that point, there was a level of respect that they obtained from us because it wasn't just, they saw us as being different than what they had always imagined all Americans to be. Mm. Yes. We kind of took the approach of who did Jesus say he was? Beautiful. Because he's either a Lord, lunatic, or he's a liar. We kind of diverted away from the term Christianity, Christian, just because in that culture, in that area, it's a trigger word. It triggers them to a defensive posture. It's not a bad word, please understand, but we use the term that we are followers of Jesus. For them, it removes that defensive posture and the walls come down. And so in discussion one-on-one, and they say, why do you follow him? Well, he's either lying to me, but you call him a prophet. And so do you believe that he's lying? Well, no, he's a prophet of God. Uh, Okay, well, then if he said what he said, then he maybe he's crazy. Do you believe that he is a lunatic? Well, no, he's a prophet of God. Well, then let's look at what he said. He said that he is Lord. And they have to confront themselves with what he said about himself. And if they're serious about their faith, their faith, crisis of faith. They have to come to this resolution uh, where they can't have both of these ideas. They can't have their cake and eat it too, so to speak. Beautiful. We're going to, I really want to dive into discipleship with you guys, but in a, in a season coming up, I think I'm going to direct one of the upcoming seasons completely on discipleship because I think it's profound and it's something that we have completely manipulated and most churches that call their disciple, 
they, they, they say they have a discipleship path or a discipleship class, but it's really a membership class. And yeah. we've, we've turned discipleship into membership. So I really want to go there, but I'm not because I really want to focus in on this aspect of healing and what healing looks like on the ministry field, on the missions field. Tell me if I'm wrong out of out in Islam, you know, there's six major prophets. One of them is Jesus. Actually five out of the six are biblical characters, biblical men. But Jesus, even in the Quran is he is written about and the Quran speaks of one perfect being that ever walked the earth, and it was Jesus, even though he's not the son of God. He's just a prophet. And so the Quran even admits that Jesus was perfect. And, and that the other thing is I found with Muslim friends of mine in Louisiana that we could always discuss is that one of my ends with them was the miraculous and healing. Because in the Quran, healing comes through Jesus. I could always say if one was hurt, can I pray for you? And I'll, I'll, I'll pray through the prophet Jesus. And they would always allow me because that's what prophet Jesus in the Quran does. Through his perfection, he heals and makes good. I just think it's so amazing that sometimes we try to get people to Christianity using the wrong methods. And it was amazing hearing you use their religion not to beat them upside the head. But yeah. you, what they was always like, what they already believe about the Prophet Jesus, to take yeah. them further into the sonship of Jesus, right. and into the security of Jesus, into into who they are possibly could be in Christ, and that's beautiful. And as you do that, I can't help but think that there was major healing that happened on the mission field, whether it be physical, emotional, mental, and even spiritual. Could you kind of break down and give us a few examples of how, how healing occurred before you and before your very eyes? Yeah, definitely. The first one that comes to mind um, is a young girl that was in one of our classes a couple of years back. She came from um, a different island, kind of in the same region, that is very... Um, very dark. It is very plagued with um, witchcraft and demonic activity. Um, people come actually from all around the world to this island that she grew up on to study and practice witchcraft. So it's a very, very dark place. Um, she came to our school a couple of years ago to study English, to learn English, and gained a relationship with her. Um, after about two months, you know, she was still coming to, to the school every day after class, and she was asking our teachers. Um, about questions of faith. And pretty soon she was asking for a New Testament in her language so she could discover for herself. Now, I believe that that's a miracle of God in and of itself, that she was even asking questions of faith yeah, and taking the initiative good. to, you know, get a Bible in her language to discover truth. Because, you know, as a Muslim, that's not, that's not the norm. That goes against what they're taught. For me, that's miraculous. But from that, about two months in, she comes to the school one day and tears just fill our eyes. And you could just feel the spirit of God there. After some time and conversation, she says, I'm ready to follow Jesus. Will you tell me how? So we were able to lead her in a prayer of faith um, at that moment. The next day she came to us and she began sharing that she had just been so tormented by demonic spirits for years that she was unable to eat or to sleep. I mean, she was just, I mean, tormented every single night. 
she said that a demonic spirit would come and visit her every evening as she would go to sleep. So she was unable to find the rest that she needed. The night after she gave her life, I'm sorry, the night she gave her life to the Lord. So she went to sleep, expected the same thing to happen. As she was falling asleep, the demonic spirit came to her again, but this time he couldn't come close to her. And she said, I knew it was because Jesus was there and he covered me. And so seeing just the chains of darkness being broken off of people in such a miraculous way, just through salvation. I mean, I think sometimes we think of healing as just the, the physical manifestation. Like, you know, I have a broken arm and Jesus healed me or I have a cold and Jesus healed me. But there is healing through salvation. That is, that is true healing. And so to see that happen in the heart, in her heart specifically, and not only just salvation, but the chains of demonic Islam being broken off of her is just been incredible. From that point, she went back to her home, to her island where she grew up, began sharing openly with her parents um, that she was living with about her faith in Jesus and how she found these teachers that loved her and would pray for her and pray for the family. And instead of kicking her out or beating her or killing her even, they were overjoyed to hear that there were people that loved them enough to pray for them and to show them truth. And so the father asked, he said, would you please read this Bible that your teachers gave you? So every day... (laughs) This family sits together in their living room and they open up the word of God. And so it's so cool to see how, even though this family hasn't come to faith yet, the word of God's going out and it's not going to return void. So we believe that more miracles are going to break out from this testimony, this girl that's being bold in proclamation that the Holy Spirit has filled her with power to be an effective witness. And so we are believing for incredible things from just her testimony alone. I'm believing for revival. I'm believing for house churches to be planted through that miracle, through that healing that took place just in her heart and in her mind and in her spirit. So that's one testimony of faith. Wow. So you mean she didn't have to go to a tent revival with a special revivalist to lay hands and anoint her with oil and push her down? No way. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's news to me. Right. (laughs) It's been so fun to see. I think people as they're opening up the word of God and they're discovering truth for the very first time, how the Holy Spirit is revealing himself to them in ways that we as humans could never introduce Jesus to that level. But whenever they're reading it for themselves, the clarity of who Jesus is comes forth. And I just, I love that. I love the beauty and just really simple foundational things that we should be doing as believers anyway, opening up the word of God and letting Jesus be Jesus. <laughs> Absolutely. I went to Africa when I was 14 years old. I know we talked about this in the past, but it's been a while in Africa. Always I March of uh, 19, it was 1995, March of 1995. I went to acquire the fire. Do you remember those? Yes. Ron loose. <laughs> And then you had teen mania where they sent teenagers in the nineties. They sent sent them out. out. You had to be 14 years old to go. I turned 14 June 5th and then went for the summer in between seventh and eighth grade. Nice. And I tell people all the time, they went, God told me to go to Africa. I came back in March and said, God told me to go to Africa. And my mom and dad were like, okay, cool. Let's do this. And so I raised the funds from March to June. It was $3,600 at seventh grade. I raised the funds. I got my last check, the last $100 I needed. 
to send in. I got the day I was leaving, I, I was going to the airport and took that check with me to Miami. And I'd still tell everybody, look, I went to Africa, but the scariest, most dangerous place I went to that whole summer was Miami. <laughs> That's a whole nother story. Oh yeah. Right. I remember going to, you know, being in Africa, I was the youngest one for all of teen mania that year. And I went to Ghana, we went to Senegal and then Ghana. I'll never forget this moment that God taught me about his love and how he heals and delivers. And I've never lost this. And it's not a, a place of pride for me. It's actually a place of humility because it, it reminded me I'm not the guy <laughs> and I will never be the guy. Yeah. I, it, there is nothing in me outside of Christ that can do anything good. Yes. You, know, Psalm, you know, Old Testament says, for there's no one good, no, not one. It's yeah. very true. The problem is now for the devil is that goodness rests in us. And we are good because Christ who lives is dwelling in us. Amen. And yeah. I remember getting off this bus, or getting off our little bus or whatever it was. And a lady comes crying and running, screaming, and she hands the, her baby into the arms of a young 14-year-old, and the baby's dead, limp. Oh. I tell people all the time, you've never seen a baby black and blue until you see a black baby blue. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. It's, a, it's a whole different feel. And I looked at the baby, and I knew nothing at that point. I wasn't trained. I didn't go through some, I didn't learn how to pray over the dead. I didn't know what was going on. And the tra I didn't know what was going on until the translator said that she, she says, do something. I didn't know what to do. I literally did one thing three times. I said the name of Jesus three times because I didn't know what else to do. Yeah. And I was trembling. And after the third time of saying Jesus, the baby came back to life. Wow. Wow. And I've never... I've never forgotten that. I've, I've talked about it very little. It's not something that I normally would talk about on the podcast, but with you guys, I feel a lot safer in this because it makes sense with hearing your story. I think a lot of times people say, tell stories and try to see who has the best one. But then yeah. there's those moments like we're having right now. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with, I am nothing right. without Jesus. The mom was the first one to accept Christ too. And I didn't even bring the mom to Christ. It was another girl. It was a young lady because we had to deal with men with men and women with women. Yeah. Right. Right. And so the whole explanation of Jesus didn't even come from me. It, it, like it wasn't, it was just beginning. And I'll never, I'll never forget that. And when you told that story just now and that she went home and Jesus took over, there was no one else there. Those demons and that spiritual warfare was happening around her. And Jesus did it. It came in the dark of night. And yes. yet the light of Christ within her Amen. not only shielded her, but yep. conquered the darkness coming after her. Yes. Yep. And that, the power that is in his name. Yes. It, it, it's, it's like the name of Christ and the blood of Christ supersedes everything else that we're taught about, whether it's real or not, whether it's God or not. I'm not saying certain things we're taught aren't godly and everything is blasphemous other than the name of, but what I'm saying is they don't supersede the name of Christ and the blood of Christ. Without the yes. name and blood of Christ, those are meaningless too. The yep. laying on of hands, anointing with oil, Holy Spirit. Yep. In, a, in a sense, there's a reason why Jesus sent greater, the Holy Spirit is greater because Christ 
set the stage for yes. greater in us. Yep. And, and so what you guys are doing and accomplishing, I know we're going to just make this podcast a little longer. It's okay, guys. I've been asked to make it a little longer anyways. I, I want us to take this time and, and give you the floor for about 30 seconds to just close us out on this topic of, of Africa. And if there's something, a story or something else that I've missed or I didn't ask about that you feel like is on your heart to, to say about what you do, how you do it. And then I want to finish up with two more questions, kind of helping the listeners of this podcast know what to do moving forward. And so I'm going to give you the floor. And uh, if you have anything else concerning Africa and what you do and or a story or whatever, please, please give it to us. We're hungry. Well, on that, just a footnote, when you don't know what to pray and you just cry out to Jesus, man, just real quick. When I encountered thieves at two in the morning, I was picking up my leader's wife to go to the airport and it was uh, an encounter with thieves and it was me against seven. And I had no form of self-defense, no weapon. Um, but the Bible says no weapon formed against mm. me shall prosper. But the adrenaline was pumping through my blood, right? And I didn't know what to pray and I had no time and I said, I had two words that came to mind, Jesus and help. <laughs> <laughs> two that's great words. I, that's all I prayed. And some of, some of what transpired is just a blur. Honestly, because probably because um, uh, around that time, I had a concussion as well. And uh, well, that was the night the morning after but anyway that's another story <laughs> for another time but jesus helped and he did um some some neighbors guards came to my aid and two of us sent seven running um by the grace of god i i think they they sensed that we would not back down we were going to put up a fight. I found my boss's wife, uh, my boss's guard unconscious with a T-shirt over his face. I thought he was dead. And uh, fortunately, he was just knocked unconscious and he had he recovered with Advil. Thank you, Jesus. Hmm. But man, just cry out to Jesus if you if you have a situation. Maybe it's not an emergency situation, but you don't know what to pray. You don't know what to do. More times than I can count, I just have cried out. And he's come through. And I just wanted to add that footnote since we were talking about. Absolutely. Uh, that sort of thing. I think this week, too, just real quickly, one thing I've been reminded of, Jesus and Satan are not equal. There is no rival to Jesus. He holds all power and all authority. So I think that in terms of whenever we're facing stuff, we're facing difficulty, we're facing uncertainty, we're facing hardship, illness, um, things around us that we can't control. As we pray, we don't go to God as a beggar. We come to God as children, um, that he holds all power and authority. I'm not asking him to... um, 
to intervene on my behalf as he is equal with Satan that's fighting against me. No, he is supreme. He has the authority to accomplish all that that um, he wants to set forth to accomplish. So as we seek out healings, as we seek out miracles um, with people around us, as we engage lost people, Yes, the enemy, he fights against us, but God is greater that goes before us. And he truly um, holds all power and all authority. Amen. Amen. Your goals moving forward. We got to, as much as I could sit here and talk to you all day long. (laughs) And I feel like we're just now building up momentum. But let's break this down real quick to... Your goals moving forward, and I'm going to give you both questions and let you answer them, and then we'll close this out. What are some of your goals moving forward and how you get back to Africa and then while you're in Africa? And then how can people help you? Yes, uh, our goals moving forward is um, to raise more prayer support and monthly support financial partners. We want to depart in spring of this year, hopefully in April. It's definitely doable, but we need to see a turnaround to make that happen. We're going to land in Malawi, and on the, f- the front end of our term is going to be language learning. So we'll be dedicated to the, the new language, learning Chichewa, uh, learning a lot about the new context that we're moving into and the new role that we'll have, spending a lot of time with National Church the Malawi Assemblies of God, spending time with national church pastors, getting to know them, time in their homes, learning the context, building those relationships, uh, getting to know the country, uh, the leaders, and getting our feet wet there, and getting to know our team, and getting that, that strong team bond so that we can work well together and build that team culture Uh, moving forward, because that is so critical. Uh, When you are working together as a missionary team, you have to have that foundation moving forward, because it's so important to have that unity so that you can work well together and do ministry and life together. Awesome. 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 Let me then put this in layman's terms, since you were really gentle about this. They need your prayers. They want your prayers. They need your money. (laughs) And God wants your money for them. I know, let's do it this way. I am going to commit to give. We're going to, we're going to lead the charge on this. We're going to talk to our churches in the area and do the same. We're preparing a, a special Zoom call. So if there's a pastor listening, I'm trying to get together with a Zoom call instead of just going Facebook Live or doing a little thing on Facebook to where we key in on five to 10 pastors and churches and present present what you do and how you present the gospel to them. So if you're a pastor listening and you want to be part of that Zoom call where they take you in deeper on what they do, how they do it, and really in more detail what the financial need is. I would love for you to contact me. You can you can search me out on theweatheredman.com. And if you want to send me an email, theweatheredman7.0 at gmail.com. 
and contact me concerning that Zoom call. But if you want to just skip and bypass me, the mediator, and bypass me, which we strongly suggest for everything else, how can they contact you? How they can they get into contact with you and, uh, and find ways to either get you to their church to, to speak or to just say, look, God, God wants me to send you a monthly thing or a one-time gift. How do I do that? And if you, for money-wise, and then if for the prayer side, are, is there anything that they can receive as far as a newsletter? Can, are there areas they can follow you on other areas, i.e. social media or email? Uh, give them that information. Yeah, definitely. So we are both on Facebook. If you'll look us up, um, we both have individual accounts. So Chad Elder or Jamie Elder. From there, we have a ministry page. It's a secure page um, called Elder Adventures that we will connect you to, and you'll be getting updates and um, hearing needs, hearing reports of praise and things like that. Um, That's one of the best ways to stay connected with us is through our Elder Adventures Facebook page. Also, you can email me um, at elderjamie, that's J-A-M-I-E, 04 at gmail.com. Um, that's a great way to contact us for services, um, ways to give um, as well. If you want to be a part of our newsletter list, please just shoot me an email or find us on Facebook and I'll be happy to add you to that email update list. Beautiful. Chad, Jamie, as always, it is absolutely a blessing talking to you and talking with you. And this time, getting to know you even better in front of an audience in a, per se. And I just pray blessing over you and, and I'm grateful for you. I want to finish this off before we, we truly shut this down and just on the podcast, pray for you and pray over you. And if I, if I can do that for you guys, you're nodding. Yes. I knew that was going to be a yes. So uh, <laughs> let's, let's rock and roll with this one. And uh, so if you're listening, I don't, we don't do anything live on this podcast. Just, just pray with us. And that means Every time someone listens, they're praying. You're praying for Chad and Jamie, regardless of the day or hour, whether it's a week from now, a month from now. Take this prayer serious, and we know those prayers don't turn void either. And so there's major unity in the spirit on this one. So, Father God, we come before you and we thank you. We we thank you so much for Chad and Jamie and their in the ministry that you have put before them. We thank you for their hearts and their humility, God. We thank you for their calling. We thank you for the wisdom that you have given them on how to apply the knowledge they are given. We pray, Abba Father, that they are seeking you and you alone. They long to hear your voice and your voice alone. They seek the giver, not the gift, the healer, not the healing, the miracle worker, not the miracle. But we know when they rest in your hands and the miracle worker and healer and giver shows up, we know that the gift is there. And so we pray that you would bless them as they learn the new language in in, in Malawi. We pray that you would open up their minds like never before. I know Jamie said that the the language before was very difficult for her. This time when she learns this language, we pray for a supernatural ability to not just learn the language, but understand it on a level that would be miraculous to begin with. And we pray for Chad and Jamie on their journey too with children and and how they opened up in part one so much about that journey. We thank you for the healing that you have given them emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. We pray, Father God, that your will be done. We pray that 
that as they seek you, you know, it says in your word, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And I know you said that in a age and in a season to a people that were literally walking into exile, <laughs> that you were encouraging them in a dark season or in a season of disappointment. And so with all the excitement on the mission field, we know that this longing for Chad and Jamie is still there, but you declare before them, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And so we pray for protection from the seen and the unseen. We pray that you would keep them alert in the natural and in the supernatural, that you would go before them and that you would walk with them, that you would armor them with your armor and equip them with your weapons, God, that they may walk knowing that every step has a firm foundation because it has been declared and ordered by you. And we pray that they would have joy and peace in this season as they go, as they prepare to go and as they step on the mission field, that there would be a peace that transcends understanding and a joy that lasts a lifetime. And we just thank you for them so much. We pray for the souls that they're going to go after and that, that you're already setting up to hear the gospel for us. So we pray that they would, people would be willing and ready to hear the gospel coming from the hearts and mouths of Chad and Jamie. And we pray that there would, as they go through different things, that as they deal with pain and suffering and, and temptation and, and all kinds of different things that the enemy is going to come after them with, God, we ask that you not remove everything, but that you would give them your strength to persevere and to pursue you and these people like never before, and that they would be able to showcase what the strength of Jesus Christ does in the, in, in the bodies of weak people. <laughs> And we pray that through their brokenness, they would see the perfection of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' holy name, I'm grateful for who you are, and we're thankful for what you have us do. In Jesus' holy name, amen. 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 Thank You're you. awesome. You're awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Be blessed. You too. Remember, in a world of groupthink, you can watch me, mock me, block me, or join me, but you can't silence me. Until next time, stay weathered, my friends. <laughs>